You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another amazing edition of the Best Practices Show. You ever thought to yourself, I tell people all the time, that I want this and I want that, but people don't do what I tell them to do. Have you ever thought that? I've thought it many times. Today, we bring on an expert in this arena of communication. Her name is Catherine Itell-Belt. She is a coach for us coaches. Yes, coaches do have coaches. And she shares a wonderful framework on four reasons people don't do what you tell them. You have to listen to this. I know you will enjoy it. And we'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. Do you ever experience any conflict? Are you ever struggling with these courageous conversations? Here's here's the real question I have. Do you ever ask people to do something and then they don't do it? Well, if you're like me, you're kind of wondering why. Like, what are they, what is going on here? And so I deal with that question all the time. And so I figured we'd bring on an expert who knows how to deal with that question and has some great solutions for you. And she's an amazing woman who's been a great mentor to me. And she's also a great mentor to our coaches. And her name is Catherine Attell Bell. Catherine, thanks for being here. I always appreciate you. I always appreciate being in your energy, Kirk. Always, always, always. So thanks for having me back on the show. Well, don't confuse energy with intelligence. So like, uh, I, I, this is going to be fun. And you guys will see if you, if you've ever listened to any of the episodes we've done with Catherine in the past, you're going to see she's super sharp. So she understands this and we'll talk about this later, but Catherine, you're going to roll this out at ADOM and you're going to give our listeners an opportunity to download a one sheet to give us some, you know, help on this. But I want to go here first. Like, okay. let's go to the why. Let's go into the, like the heavy why, because th- you've been doing this a long time. Why is this so important before the how? Yeah, I've coached, Kirk, like you, thousands of professionals in our industry and and other healthcare industries uh, and hundreds and hundreds of practices. And all of them complain from a leadership management level, why don't people just do what we tell them to do? Why don't they just do what we ask them to do? What is so hard about this? And a lot of conflict 
uh, emanates from the frustration people have because they think they've explained something or they've given a directive and then they turn around and it's not being done. So we came up with what we call the four reasons, the four reasons why people don't do what you have asked them to do, what you want them to do. And that could be they're not communicating in the way you want them to communicate or they're not following a system the way you've outlined a system. Um, it could be, you know, that they're not uh, maybe following a protocol in the office with patients or whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. Maybe they're not um, participating in a team meeting or a team event the way you'd like. So, but the common thread is you're you're frustrated because right. they're not, you feel like you've given the directive or you've given them a manual or you've given them some training and they're not doing it. So yeah. uh, we've come up with four reasons and kind of um, a way to alleviate some of that frustration. Okay. And I want to go on, you guys, this is going to be, this is going to be like therapy for me. So I'm going to love this. Now, um, I think one of the things that's important, and I would love your opinion on this is if you're a young dentist and you're listening and you're struggling, there's hope for you. You know, there you, you've seen this, Catherine, people get better at communicating. They get better at leading. They get better at dealing with conflict. And ultimately, all of the conditions around them get a little bit better day by day. What happens if you don't deal with conflict and you, you, you make yourself crazy? You're like, I have told them 700 times. And you start to, you, you start to talk to yourself. And that becomes even more dangerous, right? So there's there's hope for me if I'm stuck in a bad place on this, right? Well, most of us didn't get training. Most of us uh, didn't have parents that modeled it for us. Some, you know, some exceptions to that were the lucky ones, but uh, most of us didn't. And most of us didn't take a class in this. So right. here we are thrown into these leadership and management positions. And, and, and right now, uh, we're seeing a huge trend uh, as practices consolidate, especially, um, they are, uh, you know, promoting or advancing someone who's maybe a great hygienist or a great assistant, but the skills that they need to be a great team leader are not the same skills as it takes to be a great hygienist, clinical hygienist. You know, there was, they're different skills. And unless we em empower them and train them to have these courageous conversations, these coaching conversations with their team, they will never know how to grow them. Yeah. They, and that's the whole point of having a leader of a team is to grow that team into an aligned, capable, independent, self-sufficient team and so uh, and successful team. Yeah. So these are part of those skills. And I sort of feel like, especially with young people in the industry, that it's we really sort of set them up for I, matter of fact, I've seen a lot of of people getting out of management and leadership positions because they they are not enjoying it at all. And I think some talented people are jumping ship because we just haven't you know, equipped them with the right tools and the right skills. So, um, yeah, I do think there's hope. And I do think it's easier than most people think it is to have these conversations. Uh, and dare I say, Kurt, look forward to these conversations. If you are successful enough, long enough with these, conflict pops up, frustration pops up, and you actually lean into it because I sort of like inside, I almost giggle seriously 
because I, I think to myself, they have no idea the journey we're getting ready to go on because one of us knows how to take a journey that is going to take us away from the conflict and more toward coaching and growth. And here we go. Yeah. And once you know how to do that, you lean into it and almost look forward to it. So, yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. so powerful. And um, I'll just tell you guys, as if you're listening, it, it, Catherine is exactly right. And I'm not great at it. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to learn today as you're taking us through this. But I used to avoid these so much that they would make me sick. Yes. And I would ruminate and I would come up with all these stories in my head yeah. and I would not sleep and all these kind of things. And now that, when you have a framework, you can go, okay, here we go. And I need to address this before it gets worse. And what you'll find is that great practices are not in the absence of conflict. They actually have a lot of it. They just deal with it on a healthy, in a healthy way. Is that right? Right. In a healthy way. They have bound. Matter of fact, uh, I, I often caution, don't think that I'm a softie or a pushover. I'm not. I definitely think we have to talk about emotional intelligence and we have to grow in that way. But I'm, I never move my boundaries back or my standards down. That's, I'm not talking about downshifting your standards. If anything, I'm talking about setting them the bar very high. But holding people to those standards and helping them align with those standards in a way that is respectful, non-judgmental, and emotionally healthy. And when you can do that, you can have a high-performing team and enjoy and enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. Uh, and that's what I'm after, is having both of those. Wow. Well, let's go there. What's the okay. first step? Where do I start with this, Catherine? Well, let's talk about what not to do first. Okay. So where this came from was we saw the frustrations come up and in all of the teams we were coaching, we saw people without the training going directly to number four in this list I'm going to give you of the four reasons why people don't do what we want them to do. They would go straight to number four. And what we began to realize is they had circumvented the first three. And so you will need number four less when you understand the top three. So uh, they really are sequential and in, in this order. So these are the things to consider as you're getting ready to have the conversation. So let's say someone, an employee of mine, a teammate of mine has um, not uh, performed part of a system that we've all agreed to. And uh, I feel like they should do it, should know how to do it, and they're not. So the first thing I ask myself is, are they clear? Mm. Are they clear? If we assume most people want to do well, want to do good, want to perform well, I am making that assumption that people want to do well. So of the people that want to do well, but they're not doing something, I ask myself, are they clear crystal clear about the actual expectation. Now, many times we will say to ourselves, yes, my God, I've told them, we've talked about this thing in staff meetings, like to ad nauseum, you know, Um, they're clear. They have to be clear. We've talked about it a hundred times, but I would tell you, you are, you can never be sure they're clear until they can repeat that expectation and standard back to you in a way you would check the box. Because we often feel we've been clear. That is not the same as the recipient of that message actually being clear. And the only way you know 
is that they can repeat it back to you. So if they cannot repeat it back to you, then just don't even go any further. Start here. Continue to clarify the expectation and potentially the why behind the expectation until they can repeat it back to you exactly. Now, once they can do that, you can check this box. They're clear. Wow. So I've done my part as a manager in making sure they know what to do. So let's say, let's say that you have decided that you want people on your team to communicate at a more mature level. No more gossiping, no more complaining, no more blaming, um, no more low level behavior. And so you have made it a standard that we communicate with respect, we communicate with dignity, we communicate with non-judgment, and we communicate effectively. That could be, and we do it first with the person we're in conflict with, and if that doesn't work, then we bring it to a manager. Okay, so let's just say that's the expectation. We talked about it in team meetings. We've, you know, read articles on it. We've gone, you know, whatever. Um, And they're not doing it. You catch someone not doing it. Maybe they're gossiping or something. So I would ask myself, are they clear? And the tendency for me would be to say yes, because we've talked about it. But if they couldn't, if they couldn't repeat that back to me, then I can't check the box. Let's say you, you either could check the box or you got it clear and they're still not doing it. The next one, the reason number two, is that they don't know how. In other words, they're not trained. So someone could understand the expectation, but actually, let's uh, let's stay with our example, the expectation of communicating at a high uh, level or a mature level, but they don't know how to do it. No one's actually trained them on the framework of how to have that conversation. So that's the good example of someone could understand the expectation, but not know how to do it. Now, the same is true for number two as it is for number one. You could have thought you trained them. You could have watched a video. You could have sent them to a class. You could have talked to them about it. But until they can perform it for you in a demonstration, in a way that you go, yep, they know what to do. They know what buttons on the computer to push. They know where to write that documentation. They know how to set that tray up that way. They know how to have this conversation because they just did it for me in a practice session. Yeah. Now I can check the box. But there's for both of these first two, there is this feeling of, I've said it a hundred times, how could they not be clear? I've showed them a hundred times, how could they not know how to do it? But the but the only real test is, can they tell you? Can they show you? Yeah. If they can't, you can't check the box. That's so cool. I, I'm having flashbacks. We have a mutual friend, Dr. Nito Cobain, who yes. I went through his coaching thing and I would get frustrated and he'd tell me, stop talking, stop talking. He said, Kirk, whenever your team members don't do what you ask them to do, apologize to them. I'm like, what are you talking? He's like, <laughs> and he said it. You said it really clearly here, but he would point to this, you know, I, when I have team members that don't do, I apologize. I'm like, I'm sorry. There's either a clarity issue or there's a, there's a, there's a how issue. This is really, really good. Now speak to this too, because I've heard this statistic. The average adult has to hear something seven times. That's one bucket that I'll give you. And the second bucket is, is, you know, we're working with humans. We can't just tell them once and assume they get it. We have to be patient enough as leaders to make sure that they are on the journey. Can you speak to both of those? 
Yeah, well, actually, the research is six times. It's called six. the magic of six. Yes, I have a certification in adult learning theory, and it, the research shows that it's actually um, the repetition of six. It doesn't mean you you necessarily verbally tell them six times, although that would count, but it's I told them once, I showed them once, that's two. I demonstrated it, that's three. Um, we maybe did an activity around it, that's four. I had them review it, that's five. So six touches. What, what the research says is that it takes six repetitious, repetition and touches to move a new idea or a new concept from short-term memory to long-term memory. Wow. So that's what we're after. And so, yes, 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 it takes repetition. The, your second bucket is, change. you know, what we're frustrated with is they aren't making the changes. And change is all, it's easy to do what we've done repetitively because we don't have to. If you want your team to answer the phone differently or handle, let's just say, the price question on, a, on the phone with new patients, if you want them to handle that differently than they're doing it, it takes, they, they have to really stop and think about the new way where the old way, they didn't, they didn't have to think about it at all. It's what they've been doing. They, have, they were repetitive with it and now it has become their norm. You're actually asking them to change the norm. And that just doesn't happen one time by hearing it one time. And more importantly, by having a coach to coach us through that. So it's that sort of, tell, show, demonstrate, and then get them to do before we put them on the front lines to yeah. actually do this. So teaching is a very, um, this, the second one about are they trained really does require us to learn how to be good trainers and good educators in terms of these systems and skills. We can't just assume that I showed you what buttons to push on the computer and now, dang it, you're not doing it, you know? Right. So it's a little bit more, um, and we can we can dig our heels in the sand and say it shouldn't be that way. But guess what? It is. Mm -hmm. So if you embrace that it takes more than one time for someone to actually get most things, then you can embrace it and figure out how to make that happen. Yeah, so well said. Okay, so let's assume I'm working as a leader. I'm getting super clear. I'm going slow enough to be patient. We've been over the how. Catherine, I've covered one and two. Where do There's I go so next? Yes, yes. So now if if they've repeated it back and they've showed me they could do it, but they're still not doing it, my next question to myself is, are they capable? Mm -hmm. In other words, do we have the right person in the right seat? So a lot of times people aren't doing something because they have no um, ability uh, to uh, no capability to do it. I'll give you a great example. We recently had a client that um, was a young dentist who purchased a practice from an older retiring doctor. And the older retiring doctor's pace was much different, much slower than the pace of the new young doctor. So he had an assistant that had been with him for almost 40 years and she was coming with the transition. And she was amazing. She was clear what needed to be done. She was definitely trained, highly trained. When we got to the capability question, the truth was she could not physically keep the pace of the new doctor. She just physically couldn't do it. And so there was a capability issue there. 
And one of the reasons she couldn't do or wouldn't do all the things he was asking and requiring was it was a capability issue. Sometimes we have people that we tag, we tap them on the shoulder to bring financial reports or um, metrics to a team meeting. And they're not, they don't have a high math IQ. Right. <laughs> and so, the, you know, they're bringing the wrong reports over and over. It isn't that they aren't clear. It isn't that they aren't trained. It's just they don't have the capacity. So do they have the intellectual capacity? Do they have the physical capacity to actually get this done? Right. And can I ask you about that? Because if they are strong in number three, it's going to show up in the other two, I would imagine. So let's say I find a team member and she's really good at numbers, organization, great communicator. It's going to, you won't even think about the capability. You'll be like, wow, that's really good, right? Yeah. Yeah. And probably get her clear and get her trained and on those things and she's going to run with it. You know, she or he's going to run with it. So it's really when, gosh, I've done all this, but it's still not happening. Is it a capacity issue? Is it an intellectual issue? Is it, you know, because I do think that sometimes does come in. It doesn't often come into play, but it does occasionally. So I do think it's worth at least a consideration. Okay. And if you're following along at home and you're, you have your own little scorecard with these, these four, which I've been here many times. By the time I'm to number three, Catherine, I'm struggling. Do you know what I mean? Yes. I'm really struggling. Okay, so there, I, I'm asking myself, am I clear? Do they know how? I don't think this person's capable. Now, what do I do and walk me through that? So let's say, let's say it differently. Let's say I've been clear. They're definitely trained because they've showed me. They are definitely capable. They're still not doing it. Number four is, are they willing? Mm. Are they willing? But can you see now how many people in high levels of frustration go to they're not willing before they check the first three boxes? The first three boxes are on us. The first three boxes are on us. Was I clear? So clear, in fact, they could repeat it back. Was I um was I a good enough trainer that they could actually do it right before my eyes and show me that they know how? And do I have the right person set up for success in the right job? Those are on me. But if I check yes to all of those and they're still not doing it, now my attention turns to them. Now I say, I've done all that I can do to set you up for success. You're still not doing it. This now becomes a willingness issue. And that is what engages our Courageous Conversations framework to make sure people understand that what, you know, what is negotiable and what is non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable that work starts at a particular time, right? right? I mean, what, you know, let's say work starts at 745 for the huddle. It's not 746. Right. It's not, and it's not pulling in on two tires at 744, It's being standing at the meeting, ready to go. You've already consumed your breakfast. You've already got your lab coat on. You've already, you are ready to go at 745. That's what on time looks like. That's a non-negotiable piece. What is negotiable is whatever we can come up with to support you in being here at 745 or determining that it will never work for you at 745 and helping you transition to another place. And so that's, it's when the willingness piece comes into play that we now get to initiate a courageous conversation that helps people align one way or the other. And so, but I just found that people were going to the framework, but they hadn't gone down this hierarchy of 
the, of what, why aren't they doing what I'm asking them to do? And really essentially, Kirk, have I checked that I have set them up and done everything I could do as a manager and a leader to set them up for success. And then at some point it is up to them. And that's that willingness piece. I do think they have some skin in this game. And so that this is their piece, but the first three are mine. Yeah. And I think managers often don't check on their own responsibilities uh, in the breakdown before we go to the other persons. So okay. um, I, it's been very helpful in clarifying uh, how to go about this. Yeah, this is so brilliant and I love it. I absolutely love it. One of the questions I have for you is, so I, well, if you're listening, here's the other thing. This is a framework. It's awesome. You can follow it. So you have to be consistent. You can't just do it once in a while. You have to engage the other team members. The hidden one for me is number three, because this is, I mean, 26 years of doing this. I love all the people, you know, or most of the people I've ever employed. And I've been in this conversation where I'm like, okay, I've been clear. They know how to do it. And then they think they're capable, but I don't. It's an impasse. And then here comes this one. Can I throw this one? You don't trust me. You don't trust me. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if you're capable of doing this. No, 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 I am capable. And I'm like, I don't think you are because I would have seen this. Now, help me out of that log jam. I th- okay. pe- people throw the trust one at me. They're like, you don't trust me. So like, uh, I don't know, I'm a wuss. I've been clinically diagnosed as a wuss, so I have more problems than anyone. How do I get out of that one? Or what do you think of that one? Yeah. No, I think that's real life. I think that's real life. Here's what I would say. I would say, Kurt, what would need to happen for you to go, I now trust this person with this with this mm. task? What would need to happen? So if we as a manager do the work to say, uh, if I had 90 days of this, this, and this kind of result, then I would trust you. So yeah. I would say to the person, thank you. Thank you for a, for opening up the conversation to what I would need to trust you because you want clearly want to be trusted with this and feel you can be you are capable and can be successful at it and i i 100% want you to be right so here's what here's what i would need in order to trust you the non-negotiable is we need success at a particular level non-negotiable has nothing to do with whoever does this job here's the standard here's the result the measurement that i need and so let's talk about together what needs to happen in order for me to trust you and what the time period would be for that. And I would I would work on getting them clear and having very, very clear check-ins about whether or not those things are happening. By the time you get to the end of it, it either has happened, in which case we need to we need to say, okay, you you've done everything I've asked and the results are what I was looking for. Why would I not trust you? Really? Right? Um, or it hasn't happened. In this case, we're off the hook to say it isn't for a lack of trying. And I think we have our answer. We yeah. have our answer. Uh, and the, and I love to say the last thing I would want for you is to continue to work in a job where you felt you weren't successful. What a terrible way to come to work every day. Yeah. You are perfect for a particular position. We've answered the question that it isn't this one, mm-hmm. right? So let's talk about, 
either another position in our practice or helping you find a position somewhere else where every day you come to work, you feel like you can be successful because that's what I want for you. Yeah. Catherine, you should have had a, a red bat phone that I could have called. <laughs> Actually, I know you couldn't do that, but I could have used your help so many times in past, you know, because you want to salvage the relationship. You do care for people. And at the same token, the hard part about leadership is these boxes have to be checked. And those that make it through this, those become your most incredible colleagues ever. They do. And you don't have to manage them for the most part. Would you, would you agree with that? Like, 100%. 100%. 100%. And they're learning from us as we guide them using these structures, as we guide them and have these, these conversations, um, we're teaching them to have these conversations with others and even with themselves. And so, you know, leaders go first and we develop these skills so that then we can, by example and with training, uh, train our people to manage their own communications at, a, at this high level. But we have to learn it first. And we're, we're busier than we've ever been because as people have come out of COVID, they've gotten back into a more regular work routine, we now see in this sort of strange employment uh, era that we're in that culture really does matter. Mm -hmm. People want to be in a culture where they're being coached, they're being fairly treated and communicated with at a high level. And when leaders get that right, people are attracted to those companies and they stay at those companies. So, yeah, so it's a super timely, important skill. Uh, for your, for the leaders, for the owners, and for anybody on a on a on a leadership team. Yeah. Or even if you think you, you know, you might have someone who you want down the road. You see potential in having them take a leadership position. Getting them these skills earlier than later is a super wise investment. Amen. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's future. I don't care if you're in dentistry or not. Should never be the product, the scale. The profit, it's got to be in how do I build a great culture? Because culture, you yeah. can you can do anything if you got people that are in on your vision, in on your okay. value system. So I mean, imagine, imagine using this, this with a teenager. It doesn't matter. Right. Have I been clear about the expectation? Have I given them all the tools and the how on how to do this chore or do this homework or whatever it is? Um, you know, do we have them in the right class? Do we, is this too advanced for them and where they are? Are they capable of doing this? And then, then we get to, are they willing? Yeah. And that's a very different, that's a very, the willingness conversation is a very different conversation, but don't go there too soon. Yeah. Not before we've done our due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to recognize who you are on this journey. You know, I, I'm an I, I, I on the disc profile. So yeah. like the clarity thing, I speak in pictures and noises and, you know, like people are like, what in the world is he talking about? So the amount of work that goes into making sure somebody can see that you have to be, you have to be emotionally aware. You got to have people around you that can help you with that. Um, yeah. We say strong. that great communicators always accomplish two things clarity and inspiration. You've got inspiration down in bagfuls, right? I mean, like you don't have to think about being inspiring, but you have to think about, I have to think about being, am I being clear? And other people 
get clarity. My mother got clarity, hands down. You never left a conversation with my mother and didn't understand what she was asking of you. But she wasn't always very inspirational. She didn't, she often didn't encourage me to take a step in that direction, you know? And so I think we can be definitely, most of us are better at one than the other. The best communicators find a way to be good at both. Find a way to I love it. I want you to talk about the the one sheet, uh, but before you do, give us some final thoughts on this. You know, wrap up, wrap this up in a bow for us. Well, what I would say, just a closing thought: this is easier to conquer than you think it is. All you need is a a couple of uh, ways to get your mind, your emotional mindset righted, and then a very easy framework to have the conversations. And there are two conversations we teach. One is the courageous conversation, which is the willingness conversation. It's the conflict. But we also teach a coaching structure. So what we're saying is don't wait until there's conflict. Don't wait until someone is falling down on the job um, to have a great conversation. Those uh, We should be having ongoing conversations, especially when there is no conflict, to make sure people are growing into the the professionals we want them to be. So we teach both of those and both of those are easier to learn than you think and essential to good relationships, to a high performing team and to an amazing culture that you actually, when the alarm clock goes off, you actually want to go in and see those people. So if, you know, if you're struggling with any of that, I would just say, do yourself a favor and get yourself trained, however you do that uh, on how to, on how to have these conversations. And as you pointed out, um, the good news is it's not just for work. Right. It's for how we communicate at home with our spouses, with our partners, with our, our families, uh, with our neighbors. We're coming into a, what appears to be a very contentious political environment here in the next few months. Um, and we're going to have Thanksgiving dinner table conversations go awry. And it would be very helpful to have some skills to navigate those conversations. So there, it's 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 a life skill, not just a work skill. 100%. So you are so amazing. You always give me great clarity on these wow. things. And I want you to talk about three things. So Number one, the one sheet, you're also launching a community and a learning opportunity. And then I also want you, what are you doing at ADOM? I want you to give us a little little sneak peek. So give us those three things. Yes, yes. So um, I would love to offer this one sheet. Actually, it's not just this sheet on the four reasons, uh, but it's also a little packet that has the Courageous Conversations framework in it. It has an article I wrote about Courageous Conversations. So a lot of little things in that little toolkit that might be helpful for your listeners. Uh, They can get it by going to our website, alliancespeak.net slash leaders. If they go to lionspeak.net slash leaders, uh, they'll just um, put in their email address and we will send them uh, a link for that, uh, all of that download and the four, the sheet on the four reasons will be in there. Uh, and I would say, bring it to your team meeting, put it up at the, you know, tack it up to the wall in your team room and talk about it, you know, open up the dialogue about it uh, for your team. Uh, your second uh, question, so exciting. We are launching next week at ADOM our Courageous Conversations video series. It's a tr- video training series that's on demand and practices and businesses can bring this into their 
companies uh, put their people through the training and then there's a workbook that goes along with it. And so the whole team can go through, but but at a minimum, your leadership team should definitely have these skills. Um, So we're very excited about that. And what we're hoping is people will love that so much that they will want to be in community. And our vision for the community is that those people that have watched the videos and understand the basics of leadership communication, we will be able to come together on a regular basis and say, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's the conversation I have to have with an employee next week, and I'm sweating it a little bit, and get some support and get some feedback from other people doing the same job. So we're looking forward to building that community out um, and making it available for, especially for team leads, uh, to be able to come and get the help that they need. We're going to have open office hours in that, and they can just drop in when they have, you know, an issue in their practice and say, help me with this. So very excited about that resource. And we're launching all of that at our first big booth at ADOM. And I'm the closing keynote on the first day, Thursday. So if you're going to be at ADOM, uh, please come by and see us. We are giving away, all everybody there gives away something, but we're giving away a trip for two to um, San Diego that includes an overnight stay at the Wild Animal Park called Roar and Snore Safari. Wow. And so we're giving away that. So come by and see us and talk to us about uh, your leadership issues. And uh, we're very excited to be a part. I don't know if all your listeners know ADOM, but it's the uh, American Academy of Dental Office Managers. And if you're an office manager and you don't belong, you're missing out. And if you're a dentist and you don't get your people there, uh, your office managers there, you're missing out. They they really do uh, offer some amazing educations for office managers. So Yeah, I was going to piggyback on that. If you don't know what ADOM is, A-A-D-O-M, um, it's one of the greatest organizations, I think, in all Incredible. of dentistry. And you don't have to be an office manager, like you said, like or a yes. dentist. You can benefit yeah. just if you're a human being, you're going to yes. benefit from the education there. And so if you haven't been, I'm going to encourage you to go. Make sure you see Catherine and then I'm also going to encourage you to follow her stuff. She's got great, I mean, you're one of the best of all time verbal skills wise. I mean, some of the things that you say, I got to go back and think about them for a while. I'm like, wow, that was really good. Um, and I'm, the, you know, so I, it takes me a long time to get some of this stuff in place, but I'm so grateful for you. I know our coaches are so uh, grateful for you. So thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a delight to be with you and your and your community. Um, I know you're all about leadership and the commitment to growing people. And so it's fun to be with you. Hey, well, it takes everybody's help to do this. So Catherine, you are the best. So stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else. I can't even talk today, but but (laughs) thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did do us a favor, just hit the share button, share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions. Check out Catherine's stuff. I'm telling you, you will love it. It's way too hard to figure this stuff out on your own. There are excellent teachers, coaches, verbal skill experts uh, out there that you don't have to struggle. You can figure this stuff out uh, with the help of our friends. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here. 
and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.